2: We're two days away from the start of a new Premier League season, and excitement levels are reaching Fever Pitch. Champions, Man City, have been busy over the summer bolstering their squad as they look to three-peat, but the chasing pack haven't rested on their laurels either. Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, Manchester United, Newcastle United, the competition is stiffer than ever, then... There's the other end of the table where the survival fight will provide bucket loads of anguish for the clubs involved and entertainment for the rest of us. The Premier League season. I am so excited. I needed the big guns. Jimmy Conrad is in the house, Michael Lacoon is in the house. Kigolasso, Premier League preview begins right now. Welcome to Lasso. Thank you so much for being part of the family. YouTube.com forward slash Kegolazzo. lasso put on Twitter. We are so close to 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. Thank you so much for all the love. Welcome. It's the Premier League preview. Jamie Conrad, I needed you today. How are you, buddy?
1: Oh, I'm good. I'm ready to go. I've got my verbal gymnastics. I've been practicing la-la-la-la-la. I got a lot of talking to do. There's a lot of teams to get into. And I'm excited to break it all down with you, beautiful human beings.
2: I love it. I love it, Jimmy Conrad. Pat, of course, of In Soccer, we trust with Charlie Davis and Heath Pierce, but we have stolen him today for the mm-hmm. Premier League preview. Michael Laud. I think I said mm-hmm. your your last name, LaHood. Uh I think I said Lacoud in the preview. Yeah. I was so <laughs> excited. Hey, Michael Lacoud. Michael LaHood, the <laughs> legend, Mike. Welcome, buddy. I'm so happy you're here. How are you?
0: Yeah, it's good to see you. Jimmy is saying it. You look sun-kissed, you look glowing, Mm -hmm. and you look back, and the Premier League's back. Cannot wait to dive into today's show.
2: Absolutely. The Premier League is so close on being here. It's clearly our favorite league, of course. I know La Liga is amazing. Bundesliga League, Serie A, of course, which you can watch exclusively on CBS Sports. But the Premier League, I just love it so much, Jimmy. Let's begin, guys, uh, with the biggest, uh, I guess, you know, it's not the biggest headline, I guess that's respective, but it is definitely the biggest, most interesting story when you're coming in right now. Manchester City, the defending champions, right? They went big, Erling Haaland, Calvin Phillips, but they also got rid of a few other players as well. Pep Guardiola has to figure out how to work with a number nine final. Liverpool, Darwin Nunez, of course, Sadio Mane goes to Bayern. So let's talk about that sort of differential, right? Because Man City and Liverpool set the royalty. They set you know, the president when it comes to the premier league, how do you see these two teams coming in into 2022,
1: 2023? If if I'm going first and I'm happy to go first with this, this is a two horse race LME between these two particular teams. I think what's going to be pretty intriguing is who's going to get third and fourth, because I think it's Mm. pretty wide open between third through six, but we can get into that in a second. I had honestly full transparency Prior to the community shield, I thought, uh, Erling Holland's going to be slam dunking on these fools, <laughs> completely, you know, back post, uh, poacher, uh, tapping merchant, whatever you want to call it. And I think he's going to get plenty of those. But what I saw in that particular game was Jack Relish holding on to the ball too long. They're clearly putting a lot of eggs in his basket that he's going to play a lot more. Mares still holds on to the ball too long for me, still feels like a signing that doesn't really fit Pep's system because you got to get it, play it, move, baby. You know, get it, play it, move. That's it. Find a new space, get it, play it, move. And those guys hold on to the ball too long, which is okay when you play for a lesser city or Aston Villa because you need to hold on to the ball to be able to make sure everybody else can transition up the field. But not for City. They have 85,000% possession and and they don't need that so much. I think they're going to have a tougher time getting Holland on that same page, then Darwin Nunez is going to be in assimilating to what Liverpool's trying to do. And after the Community Shield, I've now, it was obviously fine margins between who is going to win the league, but I think Liverpool have it a little bit more. I think they're just going to be where they need to be quicker than I think City are going to be with Holland. And those points, even if you drop them early, could prove to be the difference at the very end. I look
0: at who they've lost more than who they've gained. Yes, Holland is the big centerpiece and really one of the, the, the cherries on top that they probably were missing in some way. But let's not forget, scoring goals was not Manchester City's problem. This is a team that won the Premier League without a number nine. They lost depth out wide. Out wide is where Manchester City's always been the difference maker. They lost Leroy Sané. Raheem Sterling steps up, scores 20 goals. They've now lost 100-plus goals between Sterling and Gabriel Jesus, and you're going to put that onus on Jack Grealish? No offense to Jack Grealish, but he ain't it right now. Phil Foden would have been the better option to start. I thought the game changed when he came on the field. But the one wrinkle that they do have for the first time under Pep Guardiola, they can play with two strikers. And you saw the difference having Julian Alvarez. I think he's going to hit. He already hit in the community shield. I think he's going to be a player who has to transition and has to hit first before Holland does to take the pressure off the big money signing.
1: Yeah, so so I'm sorry, I was just dreaming about Julian Alvarez who <laughs> could could honestly end up being more pivotal of a signing than I think people are going to give him credit for. I think that he will to Lahoud's point get into that that void that's being left by a Jesus leaving and and Raheem Sterling and he when he comes on the field his his energy is fantastic. He's trying to change the game. He's trying to put his imprint on it. He was supposed to be the big big signing that Erling Haaland fell into their lap and now you don't even really talk about Alvarez, but I do think that he'll be a perfectly a pretty pivotal player for them. This particular year, what alliteration that is! But but <laughs> Jack Grealish for me, I'm not sold on him. I, I agree with Lahoud that he's not it. I, I I don't know. Sometimes we saw it with Cancelo before. It takes a little while to get into the system to really understand how you fit and to to make sure that you're as fluid as everybody else. But it's going to be close, right? City won the league by one point last year. I think it could be the opposite. But if I, I I'm just leaning towards Liverpool to to do enough and um, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. For sure. But uh, that, that's, that's my follow-up to what Lahoud said.
2: Well, we're, we're beginning with Manchester City and Liverpool for a reason, everybody. Obviously, because they set the president, as we mentioned earlier, right? We're going to talk about the other contenders in a minute. But just very quickly on these two teams, guys, I think Man City in itself has something that no other team has. And I include Liverpool in this. And that's quality depth. I mean, you have a really ridiculous amount of depth. Yes, Liverpool is talented within itself. But, Michael, I remember me and you talking about this a few weeks ago. I worry a little bit about Liverpool's midfield. They're about one or two injuries away when the rough gets going, right? When you're thinking about the Christmas time. Obviously, we have a big break due to the World Cup. But, you know, when you think about, you know, when they come back from action in late December and we head into January and February, I worry a little bit about their depth from a health, physical perspective. Of course, we don't wish any injuries, but that's something that you have to think about. And I feel like Man City always thinks about that. They always think about, like, look, when we don't have one player working out, we have one or two after that. I agree about the width, uh, the winger side of things. I think losing Raheem Sterling, Man City fans are going to miss him more than they think, I think. Uh, but Jack Grealish... Does he even need to be it, to be honest with you? Hmm. He just needs to produce and make sure that he becomes – because with Aston Villa, he was it. He was the magnet. He was everything that went through it. With Man City, you don't need to be that, especially with Erling Haland. My biggest thing for Man City is going to be the connection, which is kind of what Jimmy alluded to at the very beginning of this conversation, the connection between somebody like Kevin De Bruyne and how he works with Erling Hallam. That's going to be pivotal. I don't have any problem with Darwin Nunez and Liverpool. He's going to score them. Trust me. That boy can score. I'm worried about the midfield from Liverpool's perspective. I still... We haven't done our predictions yet. I still see Man City winning this Premier League, Hmm. right? But, 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 but... And we're going to talk about it in a second. And, Michael, I want to jump with you straight away. I believe that this is going to be a nightmare for those two when you think about what the things that Arsenal are doing. Tottenham, of course... Chelsea, I mean, as we tape, still, you know, transfers are meant to come in. How much harder is it going to be for Man City and Liverpool to compete and win this title when all those other teams are right behind them going, we're getting closer, we're getting closer? What do you think?
0: It depends on what their focal point is for this season. Last season, City drastically had to change to the Premier League because of the one and two competition between Liverpool and them. They they didn't want to lose that Premier League title again. We know that the Champions League is the missing piece, and that's why you bring in Erling Holland. They didn't bring in Holland to win the Premier League. Let's just be honest about that. They couldn't get it done to have that killer instinct in Madrid in the semifinals, so they got a number nine to be able to punch their ticket, hopefully, to a Champions League-winning glory season. But when you have more competition brewing, you can't fall asleep on some of the other teams. The Arsenal... We'll talk about them in a bit. The Arsenal have gotten better overnight, and when we talk about teams that have strengthened quite a bit, they're number one on my list. So it, it's a tricky game, but this is where depth, as you said, comes into the it comes into fruition because you got to have depth to be able to compete on all fronts. But it's going to come down to for Manchester City, what is their focal point? Is it going to be defending the Premier League? Is it going to be trying to win the quadruple? Is it solely going to be Europe? You'll see come Christmas time, or even February.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with Lahoud on that. The focal point and and where they're going to put their energy is interesting, especially from a Man City perspective because Pep is so thirsty to win the Champions League without Leo Messi in his team because <laughs> he's never won that trophy without Leo Messi. So you can you can feel it, and he spent billions of dollars to try to make that happen, and still nothing. So so that's fascinating. Really quick on City. My fear for Erling Holland in particular is that when he was at Dortmund, when he plays for the Norwegian national team, they sit back, right? They look to yeah. counter a little bit more, allows him to get out and run. When you play for Manchester City, teams are going to sit 9, 10 guys at the top of the box. There's no space for him to play into. So it's going to be not only on his teammates to find a way to get him the ball, but also for him to try to occupy the limited space and turn that into something meaningful. Now, talking about your question, LME, about these other teams catching up to them, when I look at Liverpool and City, they have established identities. Chelsea? Yeah, I don't know. Tuchel, I don't even know if he knows his best lineup right now. Arsenal? Definitely improving, but do they have their identity established? It's getting closer. Spurs, still a project, although Antonio Conte, obviously fantastic manager. He's gonna get them there. And I think with a proper offseason, getting him in the type of shape because he plays a certain way. And I think he needs his guys in a superior shape to pull that off. Still, though, yeah. I don't look at them and think they've got their identity figured out. They're getting closer. Manchester United, uh, you know, I don't know how much you guys want to laugh here in the podcast, but they've got they've got some work to do. And and Eric Ten Hag, I I think he's gonna be fantastic. They needed a coach. They didn't need, like, an inflexible tactician like Ralph Rangnick, and they didn't need your best friend forever like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Like, they've got a proper <laughs> coach now, and he's going to teach them, and he's going to put them in good spots to be as efficient as possible. But that's still going to take some time. So I still think that City and Liverpool are clear. When I look at the difference between those two, with Holland coming in, they have to rework their identity a little bit. We all know they're going to figure it out, and then they're going to start steamrolling everybody. But can Liverpool take advantage of those early points while they're trying to figure that out? Because they already have an established uh, identity, and then you, then you, most of the law, he looks happy, right? Sometimes when you see a guy score a big contract, they, they, you know, they drop off. I'm looking at, I don't know why I'm thinking Aubameyang and Mesut, but uh, those are the ones that jump off of me. They just mm. dropped off once they got the big money. Luis Diaz has been fantastic, so you can let Sadio Mane go, and everything else is still kind of in place, and that's why I give Liverpool the, the fine margins there to be champions this year.
0: Yeah, when I I look at some of these remaining teams, I'm glad you talked about Tottenham. And there's something happening in North London in terms of challenging, in terms of being more competitive than we've ever seen before. And I'm not not too sure if we could just give Chelsea, Chelsea, I wish, not Chelsea. (laughs) I'm not too sure we can give Man City and Liverpool, yes, on paper with what they've both done in the transfer window with the expectation. But don't sleep on Tottenham. Tottenham and Antonio Conte last season had one of the best records against the Man-, Man City's and the Liverpool's against all the top six teams. They have the best record. So they're a team that's primed to take off. Now, can some of those pieces hit? But I, my eye is focused this season on North London because it's just, it's raining tears of just agony in Manchester, (laughs) the the, the red half of Manchester. That's why I'm going to take this jersey off and put it in the (laughs) Well,
2: no, well, Mike, you might want to take it off in a second because we will get to Manchester United. (laughs) But I do agree with you about the North London side, including Tottenham on Arsenal. When we do our top four predictions later on, you'll be surprised at what I include there. Tottenham's perspective, by the way, guys, I've been... They've had one of the best summers. Richarlison is a very good addition. Is Bissouma, of course, as well. So they're adding a lot of good strength in that side. The problem is, to Jimmy's point as well, is, you know, identity, which is an Antonio Conte thing, but when you do this, you know, fast-paced, aggressive, sort of bull with horns riding at you 24-7. Now you're including the Champions League here. So Perisic, of course, there's Norris reminds us as well. But now you're including the Champions League schedule as well. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Tottenham, as a team, they're not just thinking anymore about Premier League and top four. They have to try and compete in the Champions League. Arsenal, to me, look great as well. Gabriel Jesus was a fine piece of business. I think he's the most sought after player in fantasy premier league. It's not a, a shock to me and Jimmy you're completely right. I think the identity is growing more and more with Arsenal, but they're Arsenal. And at some point <laughs> during the season they're going to do something that's going to, you know, surprise me a little bit. We're all seeing already the all or nothing videos of a uh, you know, Mikel Arteta put it on, you'll never walk alone speakers as they trade. <laughs> I wonder how many more tips they'll come up with that. But I think Arsenal Tottenham are going to be interesting to watch. All right, so let's uh, let's just continue here with this uh, top four for a second and just focus a little bit, I guess, on anybody, you know, because we haven't talked – well, Jimmy, you brought up something interesting about the Thomas Tujo situation. How much is Lukaku's exit going to affect them a little bit? I mean, Raheem Sterling is a great introduction, and what? he uh Coulibaly as well coming in as we tape Kukureya, maybe. And Frankie the Young, I'm hearing now, is maybe a favorite to go there as well. So how many more pieces do they need to fully say to themselves, no, not only are we content, you know, competing for a top four, but we want to win this thing. How how far away are they from that?
1: I don't think they're close to winning it, Chelsea. As much as I appreciate Thomas Tuchel and in what he did in a short period of time with Chelsea and taking over for Frank Lampard and winning the Champions League, it was kind of going to be downhill from there. If you remember that particular season, they backed into the top four at the end. They they had a couple must-win games, and they couldn't get it done. But still, thankfully, I think Leicester City bottled it, and so Chelsea ended up in the top four, which was kind of interesting because everything was overshadowed by the Champions League win, but there were still some frailties there and some vulnerabilities that it seemed like the front office wanted to solve with the proper number nine, and was like, I don't know if he's saying it directly or indirectly, but I don't really like number nines. I mean, the ease of how he let Tammy Abraham go, who scored 20 goals or 21 mm. goals in Serie A last season, and the ease he let Olivier Giroud go, who mm. then wins Serie A with AC. M- I mean, these guys have something to their game, but he felt that they were disposable in some capacity. I don't even think Tuchel wanted Lukaku. they bring him in, and it's it's like square peg round hole for Tuchel at least. So in some ways, I think Tuchel's okay without Having a number nine, they won a Champions League without that. They've obviously won some big games without that as well. And we're very unlucky not to come back against Real Madrid in the Champions League last season. I mean, they have an incredible amount of talent. Losing Rudiger, Christensen, obviously going to be big holes. Getting Koulibaly, I thought, was, was uh, really, really impressive. For me, I'm bummed about the Raheem Sterling thing. Okay, I'll raise my hand and say it's just going to take minutes away from Christian Pulisic, and that doesn't mm. make me happy. I oh, mean, yeah, I need impressive. you a <laughs> guy there. I'm going there. I'm going there. But when you no, look it's at It's fine, absolutely. But when you add, when you get Ben Chilwell back into the team, right? So mm. I don't even know why they want Cucurella if, if Chilwell's going to be healthy, unless obviously depth, of course. But that's a lot of money to pay for a position you already have in Marcus oh. Alonso. And then with Reese James healthy on the other side, I mean, they got a couple of situations they got to settle with as but but it's it's. Everything else, all things being equal, they're they're solid and they're going to be very tough to beat, and they're going to be right there throughout. I just don't know if they're going to be good enough to get the 95 to 100 points you're going to need to win the Premier League. I just don't see that out of this group. They they seem to stumble a little bit, and then they have t- trouble scoring, or they're it's like they if they're killing it scoring wise, then they're sucking defensively, and if they are really mm-hmm. good defensively, they they suck scoring wise. So they got to figure out that, and they will of course, but I don't think it's going to be enough for them to to win a trophy
0: remember their recipe for success in the UEFA Champions League was defense first hit on the counter and stifling Manchester City in the final they took Kevin De Bruyne physically Antonio Rudiger the the luchador the the yeah, you know, the German luchador freaking body slam, Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> the most,
2: by the way, one of the most underrated center backs. Oh my game. gosh!
0: Well, Honestly, the forty-yard like, bomb I'm that, I'm that he hit last know. season yeah, yeah, yeah. showed how good he is and how good he continues to be, and how I think. Yeah, so, what do you think, the then Mike? Season. What do you
2: think about Chelsea then? If he goes, you got Koulibaly who's a fine center back, of course. I mean, Jimmy mentioned uh, as well about the other additions as well. Chukumeka, you know, being bought for twenty million from Aston Villa. Thank you for that, Chelsea. By the way, um, <laughs> what what do you make of Chelsea's chances? Because It's not just about the Premier League for Thomas Tuchel. He also wants to repeat that you know, European glory as well. How high do you rate them uh, heading into the season?
0: I think their biggest focal point should be just making top four. With so much turmoil and what happened last season. Remember, this is a Chelsea team that Abramovich out. They didn't have an ownership group until the dying hours of the season. Now enter in Todd Boley coming in and he looks to be the real deal. Very aggressive, likes to be involved. Thomas Tuchel has more of a voice. So this will be the first time you see a Thomas Tuchel team under Chelsea. And I think top four would be very respectful. I don't think that they have what it takes to get the UEFA Champions League or to win the Premier League. I don't think they're going to win the Champions League. And here's why. Because this is a Chelsea team that isn't based on having a really potent attack. A lot of their goal scorers – some of their top goal scorers in the last two seasons have been defenders. They lost that in Rudiger. They lost some of that in Christensen. Koulibaly isn't really a goal-scoring defender, but they do have enough solidarity in the back. The strength of this team is in the back. I think Kai Havertz, the season that he had, do you put him up top? Do you play him underneath, as we've seen in preseason? I think having him as their focal point. He is an enigma when it comes to what's his best position. Do you get rid of Timo Werner? He looks to be potentially back to RB Leipzig. They need to sort out who's going to stay, who's going to go. And I think getting rid of some of the players who want to leave gives you a core group you can now move forward with and get top four.
2: Yeah, and Golo Kanta isn't getting any younger either as well, and that's a major factor. That's show by the way. I love Golo <laughs> yeah. Kanta. take that Me back. too. Listen, I, I, even Jesus needs to be doubted sometimes. It's the same thing with Angola County But anyway, that was Chelsea. Let's talk a little bit. Uh, we're going to take a break later on. We've got a few more topics before we take that break, everybody. But, Jimmy, let me jump to you about your um, – you know, this is – I guess I include them in this topic before, uh, you know, the other question that I'm about to raise, Jimmy, because it's your club. But Newcastle United, okay, the richest club in the game. We already saw hints, hints – of what this club can offer. Bruno Guimaraes is a player, but they also did a lot of business as well, It's not as much as other clubs as well. They're just looking to fortify and strengthen that identity that you so much talk about under Eddie Howe. How do you rate this Newcastle United? They're feeling good as they begin this new season. How high do you rate them coming
1: in? Uh LME, I can't hear you. I've got oil money coming out of my ears. I, <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> You're you, you talking Newcastle, right? Okay, so yeah, yeah, Newcastle. I knew he was going there. <laughs> you know, obviously – uh there's some sport washing stuff that uh, I'm still mm-hmm. trying to process as a fan. I know that. Yeah, and that's you know, the, never
2: going away. Jimmy, no, no, right? no. no. That's always of course. going to be the number one topic. And, yeah. yeah.
1: And, and th- there's a lot of that going on in, in every area of the game. So this is not isolated to Newcastle, but they're definitely the newbies on the block with regard to that. Just, just want to say that I am struggling with it in some ways. I wish that legend Bobby Robson was still alive for a lot of different reasons, but just to get his thoughts mm-hmm. on this particular thing mm-hmm. as well. But let's talk about the sporting side. Cause it does feel, Amazing as a fan of a team that is actually investing in the team in a meaningful way and planning for the future. So to your point, I think that uh, Newcastle have a bright future. I don't know how bold I want to be with regard to prediction. I do think they could maybe scrape and be challenging for a conference league spot, so in the 7th or 8th area. But when we look at their stats from last year, they gave up so many goals, and that for me is... Part of the issue. They got to tighten things up defensively, and they have, right? They made some big signings, and, and, uh, I mean, in particular. Man, is an absolute, yeah, 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 Go You ahead, got yeah, Nick yeah. Pope as well, right? So yeah. you're, you're, it, it, we saw it last year by getting Maddie Target, by Kier, by getting Kieran Trippier. You, you just leveled up in those positions, and all of a sudden your team just looked a little bit better. So now you're leveling up at the center back, leveling up at the goalkeeper position. You got Bruno Guimarães, who's going to be flying from the start. You got, uh, um, Joe Linton, who's been, a revelation since he moved to the number eight spot. So you've started, got a nice solid back six. So they're going to put the work in and be really good. My fear for both of you and everybody listening is that we only scored 44 goals in 38 league games, and that's just not going to be good enough, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so seven out of the eight, seven of the top eight in the premier league last year scored 60 or more and Man City scored 99 goals. Newcastle scored 44, Man City scored more than twice as many goals as Newcastle. So if they want to be in any kind of conversation about qualifying for Europe, they got to score more goals. So they need more contribution from everybody else up top to make that happen. Is Eddie Howe the tactician, the guy that's going to make that happen? I don't think so. I think he's got some limitations with regard to that. Are they going to be organized and tough to break down? Yes. But in terms of transition play, can they score multiple games? Can they? Do you need
2: a striker, Jimmy? Do you think? Yeah, of course,
1: of course, of course. I mean.
2: You you have guys. So my question is, so my question is, and Mike can jump in after you, uh, give me this, but given the level of wealth, are we underwhelmed by the 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 lack of summer transfer business, I guess?
1: Uh, in some ways, yes, but but I think it's because it's on purpose. I think that they don't want to get swindled and overpay because people know they have a buttload of money. And I've actually been pretty impressed with the types of values they're getting for different types of players, including Trippier, who's one of their first ones, where they really put their flag on the ground and said, We're not overpaying for this guy. And they only paid like 15 million, which I thought was a steal in some ways. So I think there's some method to their madness, but we do need to strengthen in a couple different areas, especially up top. Now we have proven goal scores in the Premier League, Cal Wilson and, and Chris Wood, but you know, again, this is another area of the field where I think we can level up. So yeah.
2: reports uh, of offering James Madison, about 50 million as well. So you're, you're still hmm. looking around as well. So that yeah, yeah. But, that. but
1: I think he would help. Right. But he's still, he's still in the middle of midfield. We need somebody who's going to be, yeah, he's not I'm number the that yeah, Madison that's right. create. Right. And now yeah, San San yeah. and, Miguel Monroe, and I think everybody's going to be playing a little bit better, but everybody has to level up. And now we need a couple more goals from all these players that just mentioned. And then maybe we're in the conversation to qualify for a European spot.
0: What excites me about this Newcastle team? And I don't know if you feel the same. Jimmy, mean, is St. James Park is a fortress now again. They went the displays that they had towards the very end of the season. No one Good wants point. to go to that stadium unless you're a Newcastle fan to support Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, or that, Sunderland fan. Of course, yeah. yeah, ugh, yeah well. uh, no, but, but
2: the, to your point, the friendlies from, you know, even the friendlies from this summer, St. James's part, looked, I mean, really, really loud. Go ahead, Mike. I mean, that was a, yeah. a good point. So so the 12th man now is something very important for the, for this Eddie House side.
0: Yeah, and, and on the flip side, though, some of the results that they took on the chin towards the end of the season is away from home. And when your mm. team... As you said, that Eddie Howell with this Newcastle team sitting back, hitting on the counter against the top six. Jimmy, question for you: What's their plan B? Should they have to go and break a team down? Say you have to go to Southampton <laughs>
1: and break. He gives the ball back. to Alon San maximin and he just hope that he can pull something out, which is what yeah. he does ninety five percent of the time. But. But I don't know if we're there just yet in our evolution Mike but I appreciate where you're going with this. Belief and confidence are a hell of a drug and that's why St. <laughs> James's Park is rocking again cuz there's actually some belief cuz this mm. is the the last time we were any good was back in 2012 and 2013 when we finished in 5th and shout out to Papa C. and Demba Ba, let's go boys. <laughs> <laughs> Friend but, of the uh, show by the way. <laughs> yeah, it just it, it's nice to to feel like you have legitimate hope heading mm. into a season.
2: Well, it's interesting you talk about hope because I want to talk about your club now, Michael LaHood. How much or how hopeful are you regarding the Red Devils? Look, Eric Ten Hag, to me, and I think we've talked about this already, there's no doubt he's a great tactician, a great manager. There's no doubt you've already seen hints of what he can offer from a strategic perspective, um, you know, with this Manchester United side. Villa played United in Australia, and I was very impressed at just how, you know, uh, The collective unity, the way that they played off the ball. Jaden Sancho looked fresh. Anthony Martial looked Mm -hmm. like a totally different player. You know, so it's looking good. However, there's the Cristiano Ronaldo issue, of course, as well. And, you know, as we're taping, there, you know, the news coming out of how when they played the friendly against Rayo Vallecano, he left at halftime after he was being sopped off. It wasn't just him, apparently, Diogo Dallo as well, although he wasn't playing that day. But apparently, you know, players are leaving at halftime, my Color Hood. What the hell's going <laughs> on? Can Eric Tenhaq change this? Because I thought like Eric Tenhaq was going to completely change everything, including the narrative and the identity of this club. What is happening? How are you feeling about Manchester United?
0: There's been more drama with this club than Dawson Creek had across its umpteen <laughs> seasons. And <laughs> I, I, love I, love <laughs> I love Dawson Creek. I love I, hey, yeah. I love Dawson Creek, hey, I love Dawson Creek, too. I just can't I believe it. I love it. Well done, Michael. I had well to. Done. I had to because I had to go back to something that made me feel good. Wait, so that, that means this?
2: Eric and is Joey then,
1: right?
0: <laughs> <Just coming> <laughs> <on>. <laughs> well, th- th- it has been just a drama-filled suburb, Just when – You think that, okay, Edison Cavani, Paul Pogba, Jesse Lingard. You got rid of so many players. You you still have Phil Jones. We're not even going to touch him. We're going to save that for a different podcast. Uh, This issue, it's just it's last season still bleeding. The issues of last season still bleeding into this summer window and hopefully not this season. Cristiano Ronaldo is now becoming a problem and not a solution. One of the things he's heralded for is his professionalism his impact in the dressing room when he's committed. When you do things like that, I don't care if it's preseason, you you definitely don't do that. You're you're impacting younger players, and you're sending a message that it's okay to be bigger than the manager. Some of the things that he said in the media, whether they're they're true or not, just he seems disgruntled. He seems like a player who – he's a world superstar, but he's having a negative impact in the locker room, which is before a season – If that's starting to happen, that's a microcosm for disaster. And Eric Ten Hag, this is where he's going to make his money. Are you going to have the metal and the guts to stand up to Cristiano Ronaldo before the season starts? And if you're Eric Ten Hag, do you have the guts to go to the board and say, let's get this guy out of here? It's becoming more of a trouble than it's actually being of a helpful resource now on the field, which is what I want to really focus on because Ronaldo is giving me a headache and these dreads are getting grayer. You can't see them, but they're getting <laughs> a little bit grayer with him in the club is I love what you said about Marcial Rashford and Jaden Sancho, Martial and Jaden Sancho and Bruno Fernandez. They are the focal point of this team. Get Ronaldo out, make them the focal point. Bruno Fernandez, who's now they're
2: like Pacey in Dawson's yeah. Creek. That really, he should have been well, the focal point as opposed to Dawson, right? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we should bring <laughs> Dawson's
0: Creek back and just refilm. Maybe put Ronaldo in on the set. Ten Hagen is you know, new main character. But this is a this this is a Man United team that has the potential to really reset and relaunch in the ways that they were prime to last season before Ronaldo came. Remember, when they got second place in the league under Ole, As Jimmy said, everyone's best friend. They did it with counterattacking football. They did it with young pacey wingers. And anti Martial as their focal point number nine. When I watched him at Sevilla, he had moments of brilliance, but it was the the inconsistent finishing and really the uncertainty over his future that led to, I think, some of those issues in front of goal. Now, with Antti Martial, he's a player that needs an arm around the shoulder. And Eric Ten Hag is very good with players who need confidence and also need a kick in the you-know-what at times. And I think he could get the best out of
1: Marcelo. Are we not allowed to say "butt" on this podcast? Yeah. I, you I don't know. Mean, I, I, I you don't can know. say "butt." You can say so. "as you can say behind." Okay. You can say "butt no, oh, like,
0: culo." Cool I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> sometimes I've said certain things, and my phone goes off, and our producer says, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> "Just kidding, Des." Nah, you can no, say but I, really I, want. our producer is
2: Irish, the... Michael. You can <laughs> say Irish. Trust me. But
0: get rid of the Cristiano Ronaldo saga, and now you have me as a believer. But with this as a distraction, I'm very worried about my club.
1: I I it's almost like Eric Eric Ten Hogg should call Maxi Allegri because this is mm. what Ronaldo did at Juventus as well, though with a little bit more professionalism, because at least he stuck around. He was training, he was at the games. Uh so, so- Jimmy, he
2: kind of did it with Real Madrid as well when he wanted yeah. to get Juventus, say so, Florentino yeah. Perez didn't have his back. And he did it when he was in Manchester United. He Cristiano Ronaldo, I'm sorry to interrupt. He reminds me of the story of the Scorpion and the Frog, where the frog wants to cross the <laughs> river and, and he doesn't know how to do it. And Scorpion's like, look. Uh, you know, th- no, sorry, the scorpion wants to cross the river and the mm-hmm. frog says, look, I'll help you, but, I, you know, you're a scorpion. You might kill me. Scorpion. No, I won't. No, I won't. Halfway through the river, the scorpion yeah, yeah. stings the frog and the frog's like, why are you doing this? Now we're both going to die. And the scorpion's like, because I'm a scorpion. That's Ronaldo. <laughs> no, Ronaldo's no, it's... not going to change, Jimmy. He's no, he, always no, been he, this person. Of course he has. Always. Of course
1: he has. It feels a little bit like a five-year-old who's not getting mm-hmm. his way at uh, daycare and, and he wants <laughs> that popsicle, you know, so <laughs> I, I yeah, I can see some some repeats in his behavior. The issue that Ronaldo's running into, and his agent as well, is that there's no teams that really want him. You know, okay. are you are you going to take on a 37 year old who you have to build your attack around, and then are you willing to pay his wages? Yeah, you're probably going to make that money back because you can sell jerseys and whatever and all that good stuff. But is it worth that at that point? You know, to to I don't think there's any coach out there that goes. Yeah, I think Ronaldo could really. I just, I, I, don't think you want to inherit that type of headache. And it's not even like when you bring him on. It's, it's also when he leaves because you know it's just going to be a big pain in the. Not allowed to say it here apparently, but. <laughs> but <laughs> the culo. So, so, so I agree with Lahoud that the team is going to be probably more efficient and more fluid without Ronaldo in it because when Ronaldo plays, everything is still gravitating around him. He's got such presence and gravitas that the players defer to him of course why wouldn't they I mean he's one of the best to ever do it definitely the best to ever do it in the Champions League I mean the plotits can go on and on and on about this guy but this is the part of your career where you're getting to the ends and people aren't looking at you the same way you're no longer the future you're hmm. you're 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 damaged goods in some ways and so we Luhut and I have both been there in our playing careers where when you're on the wrong side of 30 they're just not you're not part of the plants and, and yeah. it, this is yeah. a hard the footballing this is,
2: world. The footballing world where Ronaldo can dictate where he goes, A sort of wait, that's gone. It's, it's over
1: unless he it's wants done. to go to like Saudi Arabia or China yeah. or MLS to a certain extent. Uh, even then I'd be like, if I was an MLS team, I mean, mm. some of them will do it for sure if they're willing to pay, but, yeah. but is that going to, so, so from a marketing standpoint, of course, it makes sense for like almost every single team in, in the world, including MLS. But, is it worth it on the field? And that's that's mm-hmm. the big question that I think he's running into right now. And I don't think there's a lot of takers, which means that Manchester United are stuck with this problem. And that's a shame because I think Eric Ten Hag is starting to get more out of these players that I think just needed some direction. Hmm. A lot of players just need that arm around the shoulder and saying, I need these three things from you in this game. All the other stuff is all fluff. It's all crap. I don't care about that. I just need you to hold up the ball for us. I need you to make sure that when you're when you're holding it off and laying it off, you're changing your speed and getting into a different space or, or maybe getting more vertical with Martial I have in mind right now. Like I need you to look to get in behind because that's going to open up space for our guys underneath. And then you can circle back and try to find those little gaps to get the ball. I think they needed that. And they have a lot of young guys that were thirsting for that type of insight to, to s- in some ways simplify their game and not make it so complicated. Because what I think about Manchester United over the last couple of seasons is how frustrated they looked. When they're on the field, they don't look like they're having fun. They don't and have to already, you have that element have of fun direction. in there. Yeah. But a lot, of, yeah, exactly. When you have a little bit of direction in, in Lahoud, and you've been around enough, when you're around people that know what the hell they're doing, LME, then you start to raise your game to, to match what they're providing to you or what they want out of you. And, and I think that's what Eric Ten Hogg's going to provide, but he's got to deal with this drama first.
0: I think a good Manchester United is always... The DNA of a good Manchester United, even from the Fergie days and and down to present, is based on wingers, not Cristiano Ronaldo's. Cristiano Ronaldo was a winger. He was brought in to be a winger, and he changed the face of their attack as a winger. And here we are with young British wingers who can change the face of Manchester United's attack with an attacking midfielder like Bruno Fernandez. But I'm going to put a wrinkle in all of this. Jimmy, you said... A certain oh, club no. further north, you know where I'm going, is in need of goals. They're in need of depth of the striker oh, position.
2: Man. Are you sending There the is, t- is a <laughs> Portuguese
0: striker whose wages are just astronomical?
2: He wants Manchester Champions League though, Mike. Newcastle, he wants Champions League. United. Yeah, but he wants I Champions know. League. He wants Champions League right now. And That's I don't think it. Newcastle wants him, right? Like the same, the same way the Atletico Madrid fans were like putting up banners saying, No way, Jose, do we want Ronaldo here? Jimmy, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's no chance in the world
1: a Newcastle fan wants this. Well, well, yes, to your point, Cristiano Ronaldo wants to play in the Champions League. He wants mm. to continue to cement his legacy in that competition. And I get it to a certain extent. I feel like playing in the Europa League is not something he's never done, so it's beneath him in a lot of different ways. But going to Newcastle obviously wouldn't satisfy that itch for the Champions League. <laughs> uh, do I think that he can help us in a in a season? He probably could, and and because he'd have a chip on his shoulder too, having a, a he he's definitely motivated by that. But again, then you still have to extricate yourself from him at some point, and that's always. Gonna be kind of weird. Plus Ronaldo, Newcastle jersey, just I don't know, feels no, weird. Forget <laughs> it. He just for you, he played for it's you, mate. You, he he black him, and he white. Put but. it out there. Listen,
2: just him alone Thanks, going to man. Greg's and trying to buy a Cornish pasty and listening to the Geordie accent. It's just not gonna happen. He's already dealt with him and Axe. It's not gonna happen at all. But listen, one thing is clear: this Manchester United side needs to evolve and needs to forget about the Fergie days. That's done. It's over. This is Eric Ten Hag's Manchester United. Cristiano Ronaldo, in my opinion, and I've said it for about a year, ever since he joined, he's part of the past. He's not part Mm -hmm. of the future, and something needs to be rectified. We're going to take a break, everybody. Jimmy Conrad, Michael and me? When we come back, we'll talk about what teams have strengthened the most, what teams have weakened the most. We'll talk about some other teams that we haven't discussed yet, West Ham, of course, Leeds United, the States of America, Leeds United, (laughs) Uh, my beloved Aston Villa. Everton, a little bit about the teams that could be in trouble, our predictions, and that will be it. The fantastic Mike Lahoo, Jimmy Conrad, Evan, me, Que lasso Premier League preview. We'll be right back.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to Kiko Lasso, our Premier League preview. Jimmy Conrad in the house in soccer we trust. Jimmy Conrad in the house. Michael LaHood is in the house Michael um, and Jimmy and LME here We'll talk about the Premier League We'll keep going We've already given you the, you know The top six, whatever Let's talk about uh, just overall Expectations and everything Michael, let's begin with you When you're looking at all these teams In the Premier League Which team do you think With the business that they have done Of course the transfer window is not over But which Mm. team has strengthened the most What team are you liking As you're uh, looking ahead to this new season Uh,
0: Everybody loves London this transfer window and you got to look in the British capital or the English capital. Excuse me. I know uh, some people won't like that, (laughs) but uh, North London, Arsenal, Arsenal had a problem at the number nine position. Lacazette out Gabriel Jesus in a player who just won the Premier League title, who is a factor in their Premier League run-in with Manchester city and a player who's in Fuego right now. You also get Zinchenko who, that, that could be one of the low-key signings, and he's a player who delivered for Man City on the last day against your beloved Aston Villa, but he's a player that can, that can give versatility. Remember, for the Ukrainian national team, he plays central midfield in the Premier League. Pep converted him to a left back and a damn good one. So I, I think the combination of youth, Arsenal youth, and Premier League quality puts them in front right now.
1: I would go Tottenham's hard to get away from. Mm. I think Basumas was a really good signing from Brighton. You got Lenglet, who, whatever you think about his time at Barcelona in particular, he's still a steady player. got a lot of experience and can help them to have some options when they're competing in multiple competitions. Perisic, I thought, was Mm. a stroke of genius, obviously because of the relationship between Conte and and Perisic at Inter Milan. and, And just the fact that they've won together, I think, is really important. And he knows what to expect, and if... Conte's leaning into somebody hard and they're like, whoa, what is happening here? Paris can be like, oh, he's done this before to whoever. Look at, we want a trophy. So that's going to be important. And then you add Richarlison, of course, and Spence. And I think that's going to just provide some different options and different looks to also a Kulisevsky who's going to now have a proper offseason Mm -hmm. under his belt and a Bentiker who came in with January uh, last year. And I just think they're going to be a well, more well-oiled machine. So I really like the signings from Tottenham. City, obviously, getting the Erling Hollands, once-in-a-generation player was, is obviously pretty impressive. Arsenal, as Lahoud stated, has been uh, very good. Forrest has actually made a couple of good signings. I think I'm interested about Dean Henderson and Jesse Lingard and mm. and uh, how those guys are, are going to uh, get in there. uh, is, uh came from uh, Union Berlin in Bundesliga, scored a bunch of goals. So He's I'm good. curious about him and Nico Williams. So Forrest is something... That that I'm looking at, um, that I think could be, um, I, well, they're gonna be one of my surprises to stay up. I'm just, God, a spoiler alert. I just spoiled it for you guys, but uh, no, it, but I really like, I really like Forrest's business. It's like Forrest hasn't been in the Premier League for 23 years, but white, right, no, right up, take- they're spending like they've been here forever, yeah. you know. So, so I appreciate their ambition.
2: Absolutely. And I think they're going to make the most out of their uh, triumphant return to, you know, the top division specifically as well, because that stadium, when it's packed, it's going to be an absolute force to be reckoned with. All right, well, let's talk about, Jimmy, let's talk about the teams that have weakened the most because I'm looking at some (laughs) clubs here, you know, and, you know, regardless of the ones that have just been promoted, I mean, think about Leicester City, who haven't even made one acquisition, and then we're hearing about uh dcl dominic carver lewin who's hurt as well without richarlison what are they going to do up front leicester city by the way uh really really trouble me jimmy what do you think teams that have weakened the most uh you know as we look
1: ahead into this new season yeah leicester city has to be there because they it looks like casper schmeichel might be going to Nice in Liga. Yeah, like, what yeah, right. yeah. is even happening? Your longest-serving <laughs> player is hey, is...
2: hey, by the, the way, to, to that note, Jimmy, to that note, if he goes, there is a trend on Twitter about Pedro Galese to Leicester City as well. And I'm, oh, I'm wow. not a Leicester City fan, but if we can get a Peruvian in the Premier League once again, <laughs> I'll be so happy. Go ahead, buddy. Keep no, going. I was but, just yes, saying that Leicester City right now have made no, no purchases. That's, right, that's and they haven't, but
1: they haven't sold anybody either. I mean, they're, I know they're on the precipice of si- selling Fafana, or maybe he's going to go. I don't know. Mm. But but from what I understand, Brendan Rodgers isn't allowed to, to buy any players until he sells some, which is why James Madison mm. is still somewhat on the shopping block as well with Newcastle. But Leicester City, I just find intriguing. I don't, I don't think they've hurt themselves. They really just needed to get healthy. That back four was just in shambles injury-wise last year. And if Fafana stays and they get everybody healthy, they're still going to be really solid. But they're not gonna be as good as they've had been. They're not gonna be pushing for top four. They're now they're gonna be lucky to be pushing top eight, given especially because all the other teams we've talked about in Newcastle and Villa are strengthening as well. What I will add is Everton, I think, is mm. an absolute dumpster yeah. fire. And <laughs> it was just funny because Frank Lampard, who I don't think knows what he's doing as much as he looks like he's <laughs> trying to do, do what he knows it took. And I watched their game against Minnesota United recently where they lost 4-0 in a friendly. And it wasn't about them lacking sharpness, which is obviously apparent in a preseason game. It was more about them lacking pride. And I think that yeah. should be the biggest concern for Everton supporters. And maybe not them in terms of the shirt, but maybe buying into it, Frank Lampard has to say. And the fact that Lampard said before the transfer window opened that you know we got to be resolute, we got to make sure we're, we're being really smart, and then they haven't really done anything. And then they sold Richarlison it's kind of the opposite of, I think, of what Frank Lampard was looking for as they look to balance the books and and Moshiri, uh, Farhad Moshiri, the owner. You know, Everton fans are pissed and and they should be because that club hasn't been managed very well, both off the field in the front office and also in their coaching situation. And Carlo Ancelotti, who's like one of the best of all time, couldn't even get them to really (laughs) fire on. So that's pretty much all you need to say or know know about Everton and and their situation. If I could just throw it out there, another spoiler alert, I think that Everton are going to get relegated.
2: Yeah, Ooh. no, uh, I don't think that's my big. That's my off. big
1: shock, my Ooh. big bomb of it is. I think well, we're going to do a, gets, gets that gets relegated.
2: It's so going to be intriguing I, when we get to go ahead, Mike.
0: I just want to add one team that I think is in big trouble. Talk about mm. not strengthening Wolves. We haven't mentioned them one bit. They lost their leading goal scorer to injury yet again, and there are a lot of pieces that aren't functioning and firing in the ways they have the last couple of seasons. This is a team that started the, the, the Premier League season hot and ended it just in just a woeful way. And the, the, the fact that they started so well the first half of the season and were able to just to plummet down and still have the finish they, they did is a miracle. And I, well, I think we're going to see a lot of the second half of the season woes to start
1: the, the Well, yeah, I'm curious season. about Wolves too. I'm glad you brought them up because they only scored 38 goals in 38 games last year, and that puts a lot of pressure on the defense. Thankfully, though, they had – the best defense in the league outside of the top four. So the Bruno Lage, the, the the manager, is clearly doing something right on that side of the ball. But yeah, if they don't, if they're not scoring more goals, it's similar to Newcastle in some ways. It's just impossible to move up the table and actually win games. You can't you can't one zero your way or zero zero your way to any uh-huh. any kind of finish of consequence. Even though Chelsea tried to do that. One time in the Champions League, I,
2: and some players are not, <laughs> And they and did it, they actually not, won it with two Yeah, yes. that's right. And some players are not actually available. Raul Jimenez will be out as well, and I'm sure some exits as well mm-hmm. will happen. By the way, they are, uh, you know, I'm just looking at my predictions for the Premier League. They're, they're you know, I can change my mind, but they're on the precipice. Of going down for me, Wolves. That's how alarmed mm-hmm. I am for them wow. for this the, yeah. for this new season. Uh, but anyway, let's uh talk about other teams of note very quickly. You can go anywhere you want. Uh let's talk. Well, actually, let's go here. Uh Jimmy, let's talk about Leeds United for a second. Sure. Uh, th- thoughts on Leeds, Brendan Harrison, Tyler Adams. I mean, you know, Rafinha's gone, obviously, Calvin Phillips is gone. You know, Rocker's are very good players. Well, how how do you feel about Leeds United, Jesse Marsh's Leeds yeah. United in this new season? Yeah.
1: Well, I'm excited, obviously. Jesse Marsh now has a proper offseason to put his fingerprints on the club to kind of shape it the way that he wants and in his mold. Obviously, can't get away from Bielsa completely, but he inherited uh, quite the dumpster fire and and oh, also yes. the legacy of one of the best managers of all time. And that was hard. And they figured out a way to survive. And I think that provided a little bit of belief. Let's leave the fans out of it for right now. But with the players, the core players that, hey, Jesse Marsh is somebody that can, can see us through a difficult time. And I think that's going to be important because they're going to run into that at some point this upcoming season. But I thought they made some really smart signings. I don't know if Leeds fans can fully appreciate Brendan Aronson. That kid can play. And I think no, we've seen great. glimpses of it yep. already in preseason. And, and that's only going to continue to push on. And I think he's going to win over the fans and, and his teammates quite quickly. He's he my favorite right USMNT player. Yeah, it's just so... Straight he, up. He's He's, he's just great. so... He's such a catalyst, right? He gets the ball yeah. and wants to do something positive and I think that's what I love about him. Playing safe isn't really he, like if you he's kind of messy. I remember playing against Messi and that's my flex of the day. But but Messi <laughs> never plays well, you tackled so I, Messi. Don't I did. He, he doesn't funny. He doesn't play backwards or sideways. It's almost insulting to him to do that, right? He's got to play forward. He's got to run forward. He's got to do something. And Brendan Aronson has similar elements in terms
2: Brandon of his Brendan Aronson mentality. is chewing gum on your shoe.
3: You can't <laughs> get rid of He's him. so good. Yeah. He's, so, he's a so baller. He's, he's he such is. a
2: ball. Mike, give me your thoughts on Leeds yep. United quick.
0: Oh, man. Jesse Marsh is swimming in that Red Bull money, baby, with that (laughs) Bamford. And now he's got some Patrick Bamford goal scoring sauce. You can't forget about Bamford, a player who they didn't have last season and a producer of Des Norris. Thank you for bringing him up because I was teeming with excitement. They're they're my background for a reason. And because it's not it's not just because Jesse Marsh and the U.S. revolution. I think Tyler Adams. Is another player that he's shown what he could do for the US Men's National Team. I think his skill set, his ability to cover ground, his ability to tackle and start transition movements, is going to be, be something. Might be tricky for them, though,
2: don't you think? It might be, it might be, you know, not, not, not to say that he's not going to succeed. I, I just he might find it a little bit at the beginning. I at least to find the pace is a little bit different here in the Premier League. I'm a big oh. fan of Tyler Rams, the smartest player the USMNT has. But I wonder how much time it's going to take him to adapt, Michael. I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, what you-
0: I, I think his skill sets translate very well to the English Premier League. This is a player that was playing in Europa League competition, was playing in, in the Germans Bundesliga. And in the last half of this of the season, last season, he wasn't getting the minutes, but this is a guy who was part of a champions league team and scored in the champions league was it was it so quarterfinals or semifinals? Finally, he yeah. scored a massive he's played in big quarter, games quarter, for quarter. a young player, yeah. So we can't overlook no, him point. because he's American and coming and I think a lot of that is because he's American. If he was British, if he was any other nationality, people would be ranting and raving because he played for RB Leipzig and in the Champions League and with the C V that yet this guy won the, the Poco last year. So he's got a he's got Trophies to his name and, and good experience. And also, he's a captain at times for the US men's national team. So I think his mentality is going to translate well. A team that I want to talk about very quickly West Ham United, they got the player that they've been missing, Samaka. I love this guy. I love this guy. One of the leading goal scorers in Syria for Sassuolo, a club who pumps out talent, one of the low key generators of talent in mm-hmm. Syria, and also for the Italian national team. I think he'll be the new number nine for Italy and the new number nine for West Ham. And could they be the dark horse? They're my dark horse for this season to maybe pip one of the other London clubs, to in that top four.
1: That's that's a bold shout. I'll say that because I liked who they signed, uh, Agurd from Wren, who is a Moroccan national team player. But he got hurt in a friendly against Rangers. And they needed a little bit more in that center back position because I don't think Craig Dawson... Is it? I do agree with you about Skamaka. He I think was fourth in Serie A in goals and not two. He's one goal or two goals behind uh, Tammy Abraham. And and it alleviates Mikhail
2: Antonio (laughs) as well, right? Totally, (laughs) totally, totally. Gets a
1: playoff of somebody. I I think that West Ham are always going to be good. They're going to be solid. Jared Bowen, 12 goals, 12 assists last year in the league. Can he maintain that? Right. They need that type of performance from him, I think, to continue to scrape into European. Spots. Uh, I am very curious about West Ham. They're my biggest question mark. Not in a bad way, question mark, but just, but just can they replicate what they did last year, which also saw them get into the Europe, Europa League semifinals. But just about their depth very quickly, they dropped off hard in the, in the domestic league, in, in the Premier League last year. I think they won one out of their last seven. So they stumbled into the finish line, which mm. allowed Manchester United and others to leapfrog them into you know more valuable European spots. So that is interesting. Really quick, I just want to go back to Leeds. They gave up 79 goals last year. That's, that's
2: terrible.
1: Yeah, that's that's really bad. <laughs> and the year before that they only gave up 54 and they got in the top top half of the table. So so for me their defending has to get better. We can talk about all these other guys that we want, especially the ones going forward and having Bamford healthy. Totally agree that that's pivotal to them having success but if they don't shore it up defensively they're going to be in the bottom half of the table again what about Aston Villa though Ooh. I know you've been chomping at the bit you've been waiting patiently LME <laughs> let's, talk about your, uh, let's talk about the villains because uh I think they've made some really smart signings and and I think uh, they're going to be in that seventh or eighth spot as well Jim,
2: Jimmy's making his money baby that's right that's right no I'm glad you brought them up listen I'm very uh, we feel good Villa fans about about Villa but you know uh people forget that you know, it all began actually with Coutinho finally becoming a permanent player for us as well. Uh, Diego Carlos, an absolute, I mean, this man is a mountain of a center back. And there's no legitimate competition for the center back roles in Aston Villa's uh, squad. Tyron Minx is not guaranteed a spot anymore. Ezra Consa has uh, rehabilitated from his injury. We thought he wasn't going to come back to like September. He's already played a friendly as well buba kamara guys is huge signing uh, he is just ridiculous and that was a big issue for us because there was a lot of reliance on douglas luis somebody who actually plays better as an eight but now we have a legitimate defensive midfielder john mcginn is the new captain so that should be fun Mm. to watch and we've got a very good academy cameron archer is now going to be the third string striker after uh, danny Ains and ollie watkins leon bailey has been on a tear this summer so you know. It's exciting times for Villa. I think that maybe one more player would be great, but I'm not complaining. And I agree with you. Listen, I'm always optimistic about the Villa, but I'm being realistic this season, Maybe <laughs> Eighth or seventh, we're coming at you, Villa. We're very excited about it. It, it all depends on how all these players gel together. But Diego Carlos, Bubba Camara, a yeah. fit Leon Bailey and ready to go. This is a good Aston Villa side. Very good team. That's ready, it's ready to, to, do, to do some noise, I think. Um, right. All right. Very quickly, just wanted to say... Uh, no, Mike, I don't know if you wanted to compliment yeah, Aston no, Villa. No, I just
0: is, is, is someone only you compliment who,
2: Aston Villa, by the way. Anything yeah, else? Yeah,
0: yeah, well, there goes half my question. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, is a Villa fan, and, and and you touched on it a bit in terms of expectations, but with the, the influx of players and talented players coming mm. into Aston Villa, what does a good Aston Villa look like for you this season? Like in terms of how uh, they play, how they're functioning when they're when they're just flowing.
2: I think something that I've seen from Steven Gerrard's side is that off the ball, when the, when the opposition enters the final third and we're trying to protect our box, we look much better than we've done in a few years. So I like that. And I think that sometimes what worries me is that we're not creating uh, amazingly enough. We're not creative enough in the final third when we do have the ball. So I want to see that. The biggest conundrum for Villa fans right now is Coutinho or Buendia. Coutinho or Buendia? And I say both. Why don't you have two good 10s? And that's actually how Villas started against Man City in the last game of the season, last season. And when we were leading, then Buendia came off and then Man City just took over 3-2. So I think that's going to be a conundrum. I want both 10s to start. It's going to be tricky to see how we differentiate that because there's also the battle between having Ollie Watkins and Yang starting together. But a good Villa side... A good side is one that's very good off the ball, but also is now utilizing both Coutinho and, of course, Emiliano Bodia. It's going to be very intriguing uh, to, to watch, but I can't I, – I, honestly, I can't stress this enough. Having Bouba Kamara as an Aston Villa player is absolute insanity. This guy is the future starter of the French national team, and the fact that he's playing for Aston Villa is absolutely ridiculous. But I, I want to let everybody know, by the way, that uh, the boys, uh, Mike uh, Bench, uh, and Jonathan Johnson did a great episode on uh, the promoted tree as well. So make sure that you check that out. But we're coming close now to wrapping everything up. And we could go for another two hours. <laughs> <of the Premier laughs> no League, problem. But we, but, but we can't. But we're going to do our predictions right now, everybody. So, Jimmy, let me begin with you. Mm. It's going to be tough. Let's talk about the champion, baby. I know that we started with that. But are you sticking with Liverpool winning this whole thing?
1: Yeah, I am. Um, I, I For all the reasons I mentioned before, I think Liverpool are going to be the champions. Yeah. It's going to be close. I do think that there's going to be some distraction for City because of their desire to win the Champions League in particular. But they're going to be in the running for every trophy, both of those clubs, and uh, we'll see who gets the most at the end. But I like Liverpool. I think there's going to be... It's also something I didn't add before too. It's hard to win three straight league titles, no matter what league you're in around That's the world, true. unless yeah. unless you're in Germany, because then it's. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Munich. unless you're Bayern Munich, let us the just Bayern Munich they, or, they, yeah. they, or the they, old school Juventus. That's, they, right. That's Yeah, exactly. Right. They should they should give a trophy like a proper trophy to getting second in the boots. But uh, <laughs> but, but, but I just think it's going to be difficult for them to win three consecutive times. Even to stay motivated for three consecutive years is going to be difficult, despite all of their success and despite all the talent but on the team.
2: You have Man City second, though, right? I do. Okay, Liverpool-Man City. Mike, wh- who's your champion?
0: I agree with Jimmy. I, I think Liverpool, I think they. the fact that they still have a core attacking group and a core defensive group makes all the difference. Yes, there, there's still questions to be asked. Can Thiago stay healthy? But they, they've they answered a little bit of that. A player that I love, uh, what he did for Fulham last season, Carvalho. Young player, player, attacking element, really gives them an attacking midfielder, which they, they haven't had under Jurgen Klopp in a minute. The fact that you have more depth with Dara Nunez, who's gotten off the mark, and and really looks like a player who can come off the bench and be an impact sub, and what a hell of an impact he had against City. Uh, Mohamed Salah, new contract, he's more settled, and he, he's, he's going to be more provider for this potent Liverpool attack, and I think it gives him an extra dimension over Manchester City.
2: Yeah, and like Jimmy said at the beginning, a happy Mohamed Salah as well is always a mm-hmm, good mm-hmm. thing. If they can stay fit, I see it happening, but I'm going to actually... Do it, Jimmy. I'm going to predict Man City to win it for a third time in a row. Having said all this, we haven't mentioned this. And Des, I promise, we'll go quickly on the other predictions. But this is a Premier League season of two halves. This is a Premier League Mm -hmm, season mm -hmm. of teams trying to do things before the World Cup. And then it's a big break of the World Cup. So this is unprecedented waters. So it's going to be intriguing to see how these teams do after Qatar because that's going to be a, a, a key thing. All right, let's go very quickly on these predictions then. Jimmy, back to you. Top 4, give it to me.
1: Top 4 Liverpool, City, I'll say Chelsea, mm. and then Spurs. It's which is almost the same exact as it was the previous season. I think 3rd and 4th can be interchangeable. I think Arsenal and Man United who I have at 5th and 6th are it's all very very close. I think 3rd through 6th is going to be separated by four or five points tops.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's gonna to be tough. Mike,
1: top four.
0: Yeah, uh Liverpool one, City two, Tottenham three. Like Sorry, Chelsea, the Arsenal four.
1: Wow. Yeah, oh, I'm going hey, there. Geez. Just went there. Wow, Jesus. Well, yeah. Michael. Who, 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 Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. I'm I'm look, I I'm, I'm on the Jesus train. I get it. Given what he did last I year. I'm it. not even an Arsenal it. fan. I, they, yeah. it pains me to say this.
2: Mike, you know what? So am I. That's exactly my top four as well, actually. Wow. Well, aside from the top two. Man City winning it. Liverpool second. I have Tottenham third. And Arsenal fourth. I believe Mm. in this Arteta thing. I really do. I have Chelsea just scraping off, Jimmy. If I roll out
1: the the best 11 for Chelsea right now, you're like, oh, Mendy, (laughs) best goalkeeper in the world. Oh, cool. Thiago Silva, one of the most I know,
2: but I go back to what I but know, I go but. that back it, earlier to what you said, there's no identity with Chelsea. I it agree. Me a little bit. And also, the big Chelsea problem for me is the spine. Where is your spine? Koulibaly is fantastic. Thiago Silva, too, but they Conte. have never played together. Huntie's <laughs> not getting any younger, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. I don't know. Chelsea fans go are going to get. I uh, they're I know. they're
0: Chelsea, really good on paper. They're not pretty alive.
2: good. They're pretty good. <laughs> you know what's going to happen? They're going to win the whole freaking thing now. That's yeah, be, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's. Uh, all right, Mike, to you. Golden boot. Who's scoring the most goals in the Premier League season? Jeez. A reminder that Mohamed Salah and Human Son, by the way, tied that record, and then Harry Kane was 17. But Mohamed Salah and Human Son scored 23 apiece last season. Who do you have as your golden boot uh, this summer?
0: Golden boot winner is going to be Harry Kane. I think the fact that he has service, the fact Mm -hmm. that he's settled, the fact that he's back in the Champions League and has a point to prove not just with England in the World Cup, but with Antonio Conte, who seems to have him smiling again. They have depth. They have service. Harry Kane.
1: He's got more going people with to it. share a ball with. I, I don't know. Yeah, That's I know. Well, decision. Jimmy, I am yeah.
2: Well, I was just going to say before you jump in, I'm going with a Tottenham player too, but I'm going with the Human Son. Wow. He's going to be the golden boot scorer. Who do you think, Jimmy? Who's your top scorer?
1: I'm going to go Erling Holland. I just think he's going to get a lot of opportunities. Yeah. I think that uh, he's going to turn that tap-in merchant stuff into something special. And yeah. I can just see where every time City plays – He's gonna have two or three chances to score. That's mm. that's yeah. what it's gonna look like. And the guy averages a goal a game every time he steps on the field <laughs> in, in all competitions. So it's hard not to he's the bookie's favorite to make that happen. Hingman son's an interesting one. He tied with Mo Salah last year and didn't score any he penalties. Did. So he scored 23 goals, and all of them were non-penalty he goals. He's unbelievable, really man. But but hey, good point by I Des know.
2: Norris, Jimmy Conrad, by the way. Haaland and Salah, they can just sit on their couch uh, and, and relax and during the World Cup. Yeah. Relax yep. the World Cup. Yep. So that yep. that could be a big thing there. That's right. All right. Well, let's talk um, about your player of the season, Jimmy
1: Conrad. Right. Who's your player of the season? Oh, God. Well, if, if Liverpool win, then I'm going to probably go with Mo Salah. I think there's going to be more ball for him to share as well with Darwin Nunez coming in. It's just a little bit of a different slant as to providing service for him as opposed to Sadio Mane or Firmino. Firmino's more of a link-up player, right, or, or Jota. Mm. So... I think that Mo Salah is going to break the curse of signing a big new contract and, and playing poorly after that happens. And, and I think he's going to end up being the most important piece for Liverpool. Though when Liverpool wins or even City wins, there's like three or four players you could probably pick to be player of the year. But I'll go with uh, the popular name Mo Salah.
2: So once again, Salah Ooh. will win it. All right. Well, Mike, I'm going to go with human Sun. Guess what? I'm just loving my South Korean right now. Who do you have <laughs> as your player of the season?
0: I think the fact that this guy is figuring out that as he goes, Manchester City goes, even though they will not win the Premier League. Kevin. Again. De Bruyne, again. This guy again. just keeps right. getting better and better. I cannot not watch this guy. (laughs) (laughs) And he scores goals now. (laughs) Like, before he would he would he pretty much would say, okay, what's the schedule? Chelsea's coming in two months. Okay, I'll I'll dish out assists and just score two on Chelsea. But now he's just scoring for fun. When City needs a goal, who are you going to call? Kevin De Bruyne. And we'll see how he does with Aaron Holland and the team. Can also rack up the assists. But KDB, man, this guy is... He's 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 world class.
1: No question.
2: He is world class. There's no doubt about it. Here's an interesting one, and I... Uh, I'm sorry for you both if you haven't thought about this, but this is a good question from Des Norris and our production team. Uh, the first manager to be sacked. Ooh. Who is that going to be? Actually, I know exactly who it is. I don't know who Jimmy's going to say. Jimmy, tell me.
1: <laughs> Not so she super said... Frank Lampard. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's exactly what I thought you were going to go with. I'm going with Frank Lampard too. Michael, who, who do you think?
1: Ah, uh, you, you know,
0: I, I feel like I was trashing on this guy because of what he did at fulham but mm-hmm. i'm gonna go parker scott parker scott parker, oh,
2: scott parker. Well, scott parker manages uh,
0: now. Yeah. now remember yeah that? yeah
2: no no I'm, I'm saying i'm oh 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 so yeah yeah, yeah okay. i'm going yeah
0: no no, no 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 it's gonna the the, the trail of tears from fulham to <laughs> <Bournemouth> is gonna <laughs> I follow you, him I but I'm, I'm going so, scott parker I, South- I, I don't i don't like what they've done in the window yes they've gotten up to the Premier league but well, I just don't think anything he's a Premier League manager.
1: Michael yeah. Hood does not like Scott Parker. I just want. <laughs> yeah, to pretty
0: that. much. I, yeah, I just got <laughs> this
1: like bottom down with thing. the cherries. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, from the Southwestern trains, taking it from uh, London all the way to Bournemouth. He's going to get fired, according to Mike LaHood. All right, here we go. Uh, Jimmy, you kind of alluded this to the already, but Mike, I'll jump with you first. Uh, who's getting relegated? Give me your three teams.
0: Bournemouth, mm, Nottingham, Forest.
2: Oh, Oh, come on, man. What's the
0: romanticism?
2: Yeah,
1: seriously. We've seen this happen
2: in the Prem before. Spent Uh, a lot of money.
0: All right, fine, fine, Okay,
1: Okay, keep going. And whoa, What? Okay. No, I like that. I like that. I like that. Jimmy? (laughs) But that's the Portuguese national team in the Premier League. Have some respect. I'm going to say Bournemouth are going to be – the bottom of the bottom therefore their first four games too are extremely difficult uh they're playing i think four out of the top six it's something insane so that they're going to be at the bottom to start and they're going to stay there the whole season i got everton finishing in 19th mm. sorry everton i just i've seen enough glimpses of what happened last season and, and enough in preseason to know where this is going to go i do though want to put a little asterisk next to this prediction because i think it's important to say that if they do get a new manager early on maybe i I feel like I should have the freedom to change that if they if they change that managerial position early. And then I got Fulham going down. Uh, Marco Ooh. Silva, I like what he's done. Obviously, Alexander Mitrovic is an absolute beast in the championship. Only 24 goals in 104 career Premier League games. And that's not the worst return of all time. But he's going to need to score 24, I think, in this season alone for them to stay up. They're going to need that mm. type of output. I think it's going to be a long season for them. As much as I want to see them and Anthony Robinson and Tim Ream, national team players, continue to play in the Premier League, I just think it's going to be a long one for them and a lot different than what they face in the championship. Plus 63 goal difference, though, in the championship last year. That's nothing to sneeze at. I just I just think they're going to run into it, and it's going to be a little bit harder. So I got Fulham going down.
2: Yeah, Marco Silva was already quoted in saying that he feels his Fulham are not ready and yeah. uh, well you to a few well jimmy mine is not that dissimilar from yours i have bournemouth as the bottom as well i have fulham actually in 19th i have everton in 18th and wolves just about there so it's it's mm-hmm. it's a toss up right there but that's those are my bottom three it should be interesting to see what happens in the end and guess what i believe this is one of our longest previews ever As it and should well- be yeah. Yeah. Well deserved. That's right. That's right. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to our Giallasso Premier League preview. We want to say final thoughts before we say goodbye. Jimmy Conrad, final thoughts, buddy.
1: Oh, we're still allowed to talk on the longest yeah. preview of all time. <laughs> I, I'm hey. just gonna. I'm gonna end it. I'm gonna. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> that's final.
2: Yeah. That's his final. I don't, otherwise, Des Norris gets angry. Hey, Michael LaHood, give me your final thoughts.
0: Uh, Premier League football is back. I cannot wait. I feel like order is restored in all of our lives, having Premier League football and European football, of course. So, hey, fun weekend ahead, season ahead, World Cup's coming. Lots of soccer to talk about.
2: I love it. Preach, brother. My only final thought is, and this is directed at you, Liverpool Football Club social media accounts, Darwin <laughs> Nunez, keep your finger on the end, and the little line will rise above it. I am so Bitter about this. I don't care about accents. People forget accents there and then. That's fine. But this is key because when you say Nunes, that's a completely different name. It's <laughs> Nunez. Put that line, give your man, give your own player some respect, for Christ's <laughs> sake. Darwin okay. Nunez, Jimmy Conrad, Michael LaHood, LME, que Lasso. The Premier League kicks off this weekend. I am so excited. Good luck to Jimmy's Newcastle United. Good luck to Michael Lahoud's Manchester United. And up. The Villa. We will see you next time. Till then, have a great weekend. See you next time. Bye-bye.
3: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same
1: old whatever.